As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! The presenting sponsor for today's episode of Can't Wait is Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome into the Can't Wait podcast. The Jets fall to 0-3 on the season after being shut out by the Denver Broncos on Sunday. Who's to blame for the offensive struggles? Where do they go from here? I'm Marissa Morris, joined by the Athletics Jets beat writer Connor Hughes. Connor, I know it's early there in Denver, but let's just get into it. What were your initial thoughts of yesterday's 26-0 a loss to the Broncos? Yeah, I, I I've covered bad for a good long while. You know, I've I've covered bad games. Actually, I mean, I've blocked out a lot of that two and fourteen season just because of you know how miserable it was covering that. But I know they were they were shut out by the Dolphins. I know they were shut out by the Broncos in two thousand and seventeen as well. The the game that uh that Josh McCown you know earlier in practice or earlier in in the game that week was told you know he's gonna be, he just won Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, he was told that he was going to be the quarterback the rest of the year. Josh had spent all week talking about how awesome it's going to be to be the quarterback for the rest of the year because he'd never done that before and started full 17 games. And, of course, his wrist basically explodes a mile high and then he doesn't play again. So Bryce Petty comes in. It was bad. That was the infamous, if I'm not mistaken, the Johnny Morton. Sometimes you just got to get out of their game. Um, but I, I've covered bad football and I've covered bad games. I don't know if this one is the worst game I've covered. Um, but it's up there. When you talk about a team that was undisciplined, um, you talk about a team that by their own admission, by Greg Vanroten's own admission, was lifeless. Um, a team that lacked any semblance of competence on the offensive side of the ball. A rookie quarterback that for the second time in three weeks was a human pinata, um, a team that was supposed to not compete for the playoffs, not 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 fight for a Lombardi trophy, not compete for, for a divisional title, or even sniff a wildcard berth, but a team that was expected to compete in games at the minimum to again get their ass kicked. It was just, it was disgusting. It was pathetic. It was... 
the the Jets are a team that are that's now teetering on unwatchable. It's a bad football team, and it's not it's not only just a, a bad football team because there are tons of bad football teams in the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars are a bad football team, but they stuck with a very good Arizona Cardinals team. You know the the Lions, they're a bad football team. It took a 66 yard kick from Justin Tucker to 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 not win that game. The Giants are a bad football team, but they've lost their three games by a combined 18 points. The Jets aren't just bad. The Jets are teetering on unwatchable. And it's just another year of the same old, same old. And, and I fell victim this year to, to not thinking the Jets were going to be good, to not thinking the Jets were going to uh, surprise anyone with eight or nine wins. I mean, I, I said right before, after watching the team in training camp in the preseason that I felt this team was a four-win team, at best a five-win team. That might have actually been overselling it a bit, but a four- or five-win team, that's a bad football team. But what I expected from this team was them to compete in games, them to keep games close, them to go up against teams that are clearly better than them, to go up against teams that are clearly head and shoulders above them in terms of their development, in terms of their talent on the field, in terms of their coaching and all that stuff, just a a better team, but at least to keep games close for the first time in years to have an offense that can score points. And, And what if the Jets trotted out there for their fans? They haven't scored a touchdown in eight quarters. They've scored two touchdowns on the entire season. They've been outscored in the first half of games 46 to three. And they have they are averaging in 2021 six points per game. They're averaging one less sack per game, five, than they are points per game, six in 2021. I mean, it's just it's miserable. And and I feel for Jet fans. I I I not mourn for them, but, but I'm, I, I can sympathize with them because once again, you were sold this, Oh, don't, it's not about wins this year. Basically everyone to a man, whether it was Joe Douglas or, or Robert Sala or Woody, I mean, all of them, they basically said they're punting on the season, but don't worry. Cause they're still going to compete. This is going to be a team you're proud of. This is a team. You can see the vision. What, what vision are the jets giving you to see? What hope are the jets giving you? The only positive to Sundays for the Jets is the fact that you know the game will eventually be over. I mean, that's literally it. So it's just, I, I it's it's miserable. I mean, it really is. And and covering this team is miserable. And I've got no emotional ties to this team. So people that are people that do that are genuinely emotionally tied to this football team to see this week in and week out, a team that is I, I Robert Sala didn't want to say it, although we ended up talking backwards on it when when Rich brought up the word regression. This is a team that's regressing. You saw them actually compete, like the competing thing. That's what the Jets did the second half against the Panthers. That was competing. What happened against the 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 um, Patriots? That was abysmal. But at least you could hang your head on a running game and and the the defense, right? So I mean, that was definitely a step back from the second half against the Panthers. But again, you could hang your hat your hat on the running game and the defense. What happened against the Broncos? Defense wasn't good. Offense wasn't good. Coaching was an utter disaster. And now you're 0 three for the third time in as many years. I mean, it's just, it's at what point do like forget turning a corner? At what point do the Jets even see a road that's about to turn? Like it's just, it's 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 bad. It's bad. It's worse than I thought. I didn't think Jets were gonna be good this year, but this is worse than I thought, and it's only gonna get worse from here on out. All right. Well, that brings us to Zach Wilson and obviously where we start a lot of our shows. Wilson was 19 for 35, 160 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 19.6 QBR. Also sacked five times, like you mentioned. I know it's early, but 
are the Jets failing Zach Wilson? How would you evaluate the rookie's performance and the offense on, on Sunday? Stop me when you've heard this before. You can't. You <laughs> yeah. can't evaluate him right now. You you can't. It's no different than the stuff we said about Sam Darnold. And I'll look, it's still early. And I don't like saying I'm wrong. You know that. You guys all know that. You all know that I don't like saying You're a pretty I'm wrong. honest guy though, Connor. You're pretty honest. Yeah. So I I thought that Joe had done more for Zach than he did for Sam. And mm-hmm. on paper, he has. I know that on the offensive line, like the, the Jets were without Mekhi Becton, right? I mean, that that's obviously not great. He's a, a first-round pick. But four of the five starters that the Jets trotted out there, um, with the exception of Fan, who was supposed to play right tackle. But still, when they signed him, they didn't have Becton, and he was told that he was going to be the left tackle of this team. So four of the five starters in that offensive line were players that Joe Douglas signed. The one player that wasn't signed was a first-round pick in Elijah Vera Tucker. Every receiver that was there that started for the Jets, you know, was was guys that Joe Douglas went out there and got. He claimed Braxton Berrios. He signed Corey Davis. He drafted Elijah Moore. He drafted or he signed, I'm sorry, Keelan Cole. So four of the Jets receivers that went out there were all guys that, that Joe Douglas added. I thought that on paper, the Jets had given Sam Darnold not, you know, elite level playmakers, not elite level protection. But I thought this offensive line, like I said, was going to be average and average in the NFL is pretty good. I thought the receivers were going to be really good and, and able to make plays for this guy. I said at one point in, in the second or third quarter of this game when it was I mean, look, it was obvious the Jets were going to lose once this get once the score reached double digits. I mean, it was it was over at that point, like the first quarter. But I said at one point in the second or third that. I don't put this loss on on Zach, I don't I don't put this defeat on Zach. I, I don't look at this and say Zach Wilson's the reason why the Jets lost this game. That was the case in week two. I mean, the four interceptions were the reason why the Jets lost the Patriots. But that's okay. Rookie quarterbacks are going to have games like that. Much like the Panthers game, and very, which I, you can say even more so this week, you can't put it on Zach. And don't, don't get me wrong, Zach didn't play great. Some of those sacks were on Zach where, where he was holding the ball too long, as, as Greg Van Roten said. Some of the uh, the, inner, the throws that he made were ill-advised. There were times that he did have guys open, like on the first series on third down, uh, Elijah Moore was open on the out route, wide open on the out route, and Zach short hopped it to him. Now, did Elijah Moore run the route two yards too long? I don't know. Did Zach Wilson misread it and throw it short when Elijah Moore ran the right route? I don't know. Either way, it was a, a it should have been an easy pitch and catch, and the ball was bounced. So for whatever reason, I mean, like Zach Wilson didn't play perfect, but the fact that he's still here, the fact that he's still standing, he should be celebrated because what what's he supposed to do? Honestly, like the guy got sacked five times. He was hit nine. He Justin was, Fields. Justin Fields was sacked nine yeah, times was, yesterday. I get that. I'm just, that I'm just I'm just I'm just giving the comparison of, of the it. rookie QBs. Yeah. And they had yeah. a net passing. They had one net passing. Yards. I had all that stuff flood my inbox. I, you know, oh, look what look what happened to Justin Fields. Like, oh, who gives a shit what happened to Justin Fields? <laughs> if Justin Fields fails, if he's the biggest bust in the NFL, does that make the Jets better? No. I mean, he's even playing the same division. Like, if you want to talk about, oh, look at look at how Josh Allen or look at look at Mac Jones. Okay, I get that because they're at least in the division, so the Jets are going to see that team twice. So, yeah, they're in, they're in another conference. Who gives a shit if, if Justin Fields fails? Who gives a shit if Justin Fields gets sacked a billion times? It doesn't make the Jets any better. Like, I hate that, like, oh, look yeah, what happened. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, the rookie QB is, like, you know, yeah, it's we'll not like 
It's not yeah. like they picked the wrong one or something. It's not like, no, oh my gosh. This... Yeah, don't yeah. get me started on it. Sam Darnold to be having success here. No, Sam Darnold would be in the injured reserve if he was here. But the whole thing is like, as I'm like Zach, like back to the Zach Wilson thing, as he got off, we got off type a little bit there. It was just, he got sacked five times. He was hit nine times. I don't have the exact pressure numbers because ESPN stats and information puts it out, but he had to have been pressured on at least 40% of his dropbacks. I think Richard said it was his fewest or it was the least amount of pressures he faced. So it was under 50% at least, but still 40% of the time he dropped back, he was there. He was hit officially nine times, but he was knocked down to the ground many more than that. Five sacks. It's a lot if the quarterback goes down three times. Zach Wilson's averaging five sacks per game. There were uh, several times in that game, though. There were several times where the offensive line did hold up, where the offensive line gave Zach enough time to throw. He had time to go through his reads. And these receivers created zero separation. When the receivers did create separation, when the receivers did get open and Zach fired him with passes that were accurate, Corey Davis, signed to be your number one receiver, dropped three balls. Ty Johnson, when he wasn't completely brutally screwing up pass protection, dropped three passes himself. Michael Carter, who was one of the most, who was the most sure-handed running back I've seen on this team since Matt Forte, and that was really the corpse of Matt Forte at that point in his career, dropped a pass on second down in the first or second quarter that if he had caught that pass on a little Texas route, he would still be running. Where's the help? Zach Wilson tried to play boring football. He didn't want to play hero ball, and he did it effectively. But when he gave the guys the balls in, in room to run in open spaces, they didn't do anything for him. Just like Sam for the last three years, Zach was out there doing it all by himself. Just like Sam, Zach received zero help. When Joe Douglas spoke to us, you know, he had the whole thing about, about you know, what he said to Zach's parents about, you know, I'm going to protect or uh, Sam's parents about, I want to go protect your son. The whole thing he said about Sam, you know, I want us, I need to surround the quarterback with protection and playmakers. Obviously, he didn't do that for Sam Darnold. That's why Sam Darnold's in Carolina right now and Zach Wilson is here. But we're at a point now where Joe has surrounded Sam with his version of protection and his, his version of playmakers. Only the guys that he signed and added to protect Zach Wilson are getting him pummeled, are getting him beat up, are getting him destroyed. Time after time after time, the playmakers he signed are not making plays. You want to make plays? The players are Corey Davis finding a way to make that grab when Zach Wilson escapes around the left side of the pocket, somehow avoids a sack that way, throws a nice pass to Davis, which would have put the Jets inside the 10-yard line. I know it was a good defensive play. It doesn't matter. If you're a number one receiver, you catch that ball. Jamar Chase catches that ball. Julio Jones catches that ball. Number one receivers catch that ball. Number two receivers who got paid $27 million or something, whatever they got, whatever Corey Davis got on that three-year deal, basically a two-year contract, because he didn't exceed expectations, because he didn't reach expectations in Tennessee, they dropped that pass. And that's what Corey Davis did. He dropped it. He's got to catch that pass. Period. He has to catch that pass. And he doesn't. The Jets keep betting on these guys with upside. Joe Douglas' you know, approach of signing guys based on their upside, signing guys who are going to be... That works when the players actually reach the upside. When you sign the ascending players that are ascending, these players that Joe Douglas keeps signing are not ascending players. Greg Van Roten's not ascending. George Fan is not ascending. Morgan Moses is not ascending. Corey Davis, it's early, but does not look like he is ascending if you mean of reaching the level of a number one receiver. Corey Davis, to me, looks like a very good number two. 
That's what he looks like. And the Jets are paying him to be a number one. And I am just, I, I don't know. Like I, I, again, like I said, Marissa, I watched that game and I felt for Zach Wilson because as you watch him just get beat and you get him destroyed and you watch him, and I said it at week one and it happened again, you watch him get peeled off this field like a bug off of a windshield. When you watch that happen time after time after time, what else is he supposed to do when he is surrounded by nothing, when no one around him is giving him any help? That was the case week one. That was the case week three. It was not the case week two. That was all on Zach, but he's a rookie. It's going to happen. What is he supposed to do? I don't know. I really don't know. And you talked about stunting him. It happened before. It happened with Carr in Houston. It's happened with countless rookie quarterbacks that when they get beat up and they get pummeled their rookie year with their first NFL experience, when they get plagued with drops, what happens to them eventually? That clock, the internal clock that you talk, that you want the internal clock to go off. Oh, it is. You're taking a sledgehammer to that internal clock for the rest of this guy's career. And we're not at that point yet. You don't know if Zach Wilson's going to be able to withstand it. There have been rookie quarterbacks who got beat up and were able to withstand it. But there were there are many, many more that endure what Zach Wilson's enduring right now, and they don't come out on the better end of things. So the Jets need to get their shit together and get their shit together quick. Otherwise, they're going to run the risk of ruining another quarterback, period. That is, that is, that we, we aren't there yet. I wouldn't sound those alarms yet, but that's where it's trending. If this, what we saw week one and what we saw week three, and probably would have seen week two also if Zach wasn't throwing so many interceptions. Like, that's the thing, is that if, that, if Zach hadn't thrown those picks, he was probably going to get destroyed anyway. So if this happens for 17 games, 18 weeks, you'll be lucky if Zach still has his head attached to his shoulders by the end of this uh, the end of the season. I thought the kid might be rookie of the year. You'd be you'll be lucky if his head's still attached. It's going to be like the Dumb and Dumber scene where our pets' heads are falling off. The Jets' quarterbacks' heads are falling off. That's what they're running the risk of doing to this kid. Seriously. All right. Well, we obviously have a lot more to get to. We're going to talk about what we mentioned off the top, who's to blame for these offensive struggles and where do they go from here? We're going to talk a little Joe Douglas and take a look at the defense, which didn't look that great yesterday. But first, a message from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to Can't We. And Connor, you mentioned this earlier. Uh, through the first three games, the Jets averaging six points. We talked about who's to blame. <laughs> There's many comments in the chat. This one comes from Y underscore M2X. Who takes the blame for the offensive struggles and this game plan? There wasn't a clear plan on how they were going to attack the Broncos' defense. I think it's, I don't, this is where I will agree with, with Salah quite a bit. This is where I will like kind of side with him is that 
I don't think it's one person. I don't think you, you can't say it's Zach Wilson. You can't mm-hmm. say it's the offensive line. You can't say it's the receivers. You can't say it's all the players. You can't say it's all Mike LaFleur. You can't say it's all Robert Sala. You can't say that it's inexperienced. You can't say that it's the fact that the Jets don't have any experienced coach really on this roster. You can't say that it's Joe Douglas. You can't say that it's Christopher or Woody Johnson solely. It's all of them. It's a collective effort. You don't get to this point unless it is a wholesale organizational failure to this point. And yes, there is a ton of time left. It's week three. So they can come out next week against the Titans. I don't see it happening. And win 28-21 or 34-28. And then go to London against a, a bad Falcons team and drop 20 or 30 points again. And suddenly it's like, okay, they endured those hiccups, those first three games. Now they've kind of figured themselves out. They're starting to go again. But I don't see that happening. I don't see where the silver lining is. I don't look at this offense and see one area to fix. And that's the one thing that Salah says when we bring up the offense, the offense, the offense. He likes to point out that, well, it's not just one thing. It's all of these things. And I said this after week one when it, when it was about the protection. We were talking specifically about the protection. Remember, like, they just gotten beat, like, for six sacks and the 10 hits against the Panthers. And Salah was like, well, it's not just the offensive line. It's, it's like he, he named five different areas of why the protection's failing. And I said to him, I was like, okay, Robert, well, isn't that technically worse? You know, you think about a hole in a dam, right? The water's shooting out of the dam. Well, if there's only one area where the water's shooting out, it's like, okay, we'll plug that area and it's fixed and we're good. But like, there's not one area where the water's coming out of the dam, Salah said about the protection. There's like 10 of them. So I was like, okay, well, isn't it then technically a little harder considering now you basically have to fix everything about the protection? And he was like, yeah, you could put it that way. Like he kind of like was like, oh, I like he said good question because it was like, oh, how did like I guess that is a way you could that that doesn't sound good. Well, now we're talking about not just the protection, we're talking about the offense. And he said, well, it's not just one thing. And he's right. Joe Douglas has fielded a team. He had 2020 free agency. He had 2020 draft class. He had 2021 free agency. He had 2021 draft class. He's fielded an offense and built an offense that is averaging six points per game. Mike LaFleur is calling the plays and preparing an offense that has scored three first half points in three games and is averaging six points per game. Robert Sala filled out a coaching staff that was comprised, filled out a coaching staff and a roster that was comprised of many people that have not done this before. Their quarterback's coach has never been a quarterback's coach before. Their offensive coordinator has never been an offensive coordinator before. Their offensive coordinator has never called plays at the NFL level before. It's wholesale. It's not one person. You can't put the blame on one guy. It is failure all around. And I don't know how you just fix this each week. As I said about protection, when the Jets were like, oh, don't worry, it's fine. We're going to fix this. We just need to, you know, we did. I was like, all right, well, we saw this shit protection all throughout the summer. Now you think you're just going to fix it in three practices? Turns out, no, you can't just fix it in three practices because even against the Patriots, when Zach Wilson wasn't throwing picks, he was getting sacked. So the only time he didn't get sacked was because he was throwing to the other team. As soon as he stopped throwing to the other team in the third and fourth quarters, he got sacked four times. 
Here, he only threw the two interceptions, which were late trying to play hero ball and just throw it up. But he sacked five times and hit 10. So, no, the offensive line is not any better. Like, it's like there are times where they actually protect him, but then it's like, well, no receivers are getting open. So this is, this is wholesale. This is the offensive line playing poorly. This is the receivers playing poorly. This is Zach Wilson at times playing poorly. This is Mike LaFleur looking like he has no idea what he's doing. A quarterback's coach that clearly isn't making the quarterback better. The Jets not really having, after Greg Knapp passed away, somebody who is a veteran, experienced coach. I know they hired Kavanaugh, but Kavanaugh is not Greg Knapp. So they, they, the loss of Greg Knapp is, I think, being felt significantly right now. This is Robert Sala for fielding all of these first years, just assuming every, everything was going to work out and everything was going to be peachy and fine, and clearly it's not. It's Joe Douglas for building this roster, which is not good right now. And Joe Douglas's track record of building this roster is not good right now. His record as a GM of teams that he has constructed is 2-17. and 17. That's freaking awful. That, that, that's awful. Two and 17. Adam Gase won seven games with Mike McCagnan's team. He managed two with Joe Douglas's. You want to put it that way. I know that's going to make people go in an uproar, but that's a fact. Adam Gase with a team built by Mike McCagnan went seven and nine. Adam Gase with a team that was run entirely throughout the offseason by Joe Douglas went two and 14. And now the Jets have a brand new coaching staff, brand new quarterback. Joe Douglas's fingerprints are all over this team. What? I, I wrote it on the 53-man roster cutdown. There's like three players on the roster right now that were Mike McCagnan guys. Everyone else is Joe Douglas players, and the Jets are now 0-3. So Joe Douglas's run as general manager is now 2-17. and The Browns went 0-16. The next year, they were 7-8-1. And then, obviously, they, they fell down, and then they added Michael Dunn and made the playoffs. So, like, then that thing's turned around right around then. But they, like, I mean, that was, like, seriously. Like, I, I get rebuilding. I get, but, like, you want to talk about who deserves all the blame for the offense? There's not one person. It is a wholesale organizational failure to this point. Can it turn around? Sure. Do I see it turning around? Hell no. But like this is this is it, it's not one person. It is it is, as Salah said, it's everyone. And unfortunately, in my opinion, I think that's worse. Maybe I'm wrong in that regard. Maybe it is better when it's like a whole bunch of everywhere going wrong. But in my opinion, that's worse, because like I said, the anecdote of like the the the, the water coming out of the, that little boy is sticking his finger in the dam to stop the hole. Right. It's fine when there's only one hole, when suddenly there's 10. It's a bigger issue. When there's 11, now you got to reach down to your toes. When there's 21, 22 holes, now you're out of fingers and toes to plug holes. You got to, what the hell are you going to do now? You know what I mean? Like, seriously, that, that's where the Jets Quite are Quite the analogy. So, seriously, though. But the Jets are like, the, the, the Jets are at a point now where they're saying, oh, it's everyone on offense, it's everyone on offense, it's everyone on offense. To me, I think that's worse because if you have one area that's failing you and you can focus all your attention on that one area, I think that, that maybe I'm wrong. I didn't coach in the NFL. I didn't play in the NFL. But in my opinion, that seems a lot easier than knowing Okay, this week in practice, this week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we need to fix the protection. We need to fix oh, pass blocking and run blocking. Although Greg Van Ruten said run blocking is fine. They just need to run the ball more. Like, oh, yeah, that, that, that was also, by the way, a little shot at the offensive coordinator. The Zach Wilson one about he needs to get rid of the ball quicker, that was just a fact. And then he said also the offensive so, line. So the chat has been talking a lot about yeah, that. Yeah, so we'll get to that. Do you wanna, a, we'll okay, get to that okay. in a second. I'll, I'll wrap this up. It's just basically by saying, it, to me, it's a problem. A bigger problem when you're going into Wednesday's practice against a very good Titans team that's coming to MetLife Stadium, a team that's much better than what's like, I know their defense is ranked like 29th. They're significantly better than what that. I mean, they played some good offenses. They're a good team. That's a very good team. And that is a star studded offense. Like how the hell is Brandon and Brandon Eccles had an issue with Tim Patrick. How the hell is he going to stop Julio Jones? I mean, that's, and that, by the way, the Jets want to take away Julio and Brown, assuming, assuming Brown's injury is not too bad. 
now we'll talk about this a lot on the second podcast this week, but like now you got to, you got to drop all those guys back to play coverage. And now you're giving a, 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 a box to, to Derek Henry with seven guys in there. Good luck against that. So, but I mean, you're now got, you're going into that game by saying we need to fix the pass blocking. We need to fix the run blocking. We need to get our running backs back going. We need to get our receivers better. We need to get our tight ends more involved. And Zach Wilson needs to continue to get try to improve himself as well. So go ahead and fix. And that's just on offense. Yeah, and the offense, by the way, it's solid. Solid wouldn't say. I asked him directly if he thinks the offense is broken. He said no. In my opinion, when you're averaging six points a game, when you have three points in the first half, when you need to fix every aspect of your offense, when you can hang your hat on basically nothing coming out of a game, when you can hang your hat on basically nothing totality for four quarters to say we did this really well you're broken and when you have a broken offense it's not easily fixed in a week it's fact and i've seen a lot of broken offenses i saw the jeremy bates version i saw the adam gase's version i've seen a lot of bad offenses chan gailey's version in 2016 i've seen a lot of bad offenses this one might be the worst this one might be the worst all right well Let's just quickly address that comment that you just mentioned earlier because the chat's been talking about it. Um, you tweeted after the game that Greg Van Rowen said that Zach Wilson needs to learn to get the ball out. What did you make of that? And we uh, continued. It was, would, sorry, you continued. No go. It, it was a longer quote. I mean, it was like again, we're in a conference, so like that was the juicy part of it. And then he said, you know, but also the offensive line needs to pass block better. I mean, the video and SMY tweeted out the full video and. And a couple other followers or Twitter, uh, Twitter people as well, like tweeted out the full video and you can go read it. I mean, he, but what he said was accurate. I mean, Zach does need to get rid of the ball quicker. Like there are some of the, some of the hits that he has taken in the pocket or hits that he's taken in the pocket because he's holding the ball too long. Now he's holding the ball too long because no one's getting open. He's holding the ball too long because he realizes he can't just throw it away after every three seconds. I mean, he needs to get, like, I just think the Jets need to build it. I need to go back and watch the film from this one to see if there were built in checkdowns on sacks that Zach just didn't see or built-in checkdowns that Zach didn't get to in time. Like, a, I have to go back and look at that. But Greg was right. Like, Van Roten's right. He does need to get rid of the ball quicker. Like, that is a thing. Greg, like, it is true. Like, Zach Wilson needs to get rid of the ball quicker. That will allow him to not get hit as much. And as Greg Van Roten also said, the team needs to pass block better. Like, the offensive line needs to do a better job as well. But I think what you saw after that game was a player in, in Van Roten who was fired up, who was clearly angry, who was speaking truths that if he would calm down a little bit more, he probably wouldn't have said any of those things. But the other thing as well, when we asked him about the run game, is he said, well, we only ran it like 15 times. How are you like how basically how are you supposed to establish a run with that? That's a shot at Michael Floor. So not only did he come out and say Zach needs to throw the ball faster or get rid of the ball quicker, which is true, but he then also said, Hey, we need to run the ball more. We're not running the ball enough. And that's a shot at at the OC. So it's I don't know, it's might be trouble in paradise with with the Jets right now. And and I know the Jets are saying like everyone's you know, everyone's pulling the same direction. Everyone's like, oh, it's we're moving forward, moving forward. We're going to, you know, it's it's not a rebuilding year, but it's all about getting better every week. These are still players. These are players that are not generally accustomed to losing. And these are players that don't want to lose. And these are players that don't want to answer questions every single week about how they suck. And they're getting tired of it because they didn't get their ass kicked in in, in Carolina because Sam Darnold came way back down to earth in the second half and, and the Jets were able to make some things happen and they at least made it respectable. But they got their ass kicked by the Patriots and now they got their ass really kicked by the Broncos. And this whole like, well, the players are all looking at this. They're looking at the coaches and thinking the same thing. We're supposed to be in a position, like put us in a position to succeed, put us in a position to compete, put us in a position where we are not becoming a laughing stock and we are not the same old Jets and we are not a team that's going to be a punchline on every highlight show. 
I mean, when I got back to the game, I, when I got back from the game last night, I sat in bed like I do every, and I put on the uh, NFL Network's highlight show just to watch what happened in all the other games and see what happened. They, I, I actually, when I turned it on, they were showing the end of the Jets game. And the final remarks made by NFL Network were something like, well, this one went as expected, and then went to the next game. Like, like the, the Jets are being made fun of on Ted Lasso. Like, it's like, it's just, it's, it's seriously. And it's like, these players see that and these players want to wear their Jets jersey with pride. I mean, look, you, you, you live with Michael. How often is he wearing Browns and stuff? Like you, you're happy because you're a winning team. You want to be a part of a winning team and you want people to know I'm a part of the Browns. These Jets players, like, you think anyone wants to let people know they're a part of the Jets? They're going to, the Jets are going to be number 32 in every power rankings around right now. They are going to be number 32 again. They are the undisputed worst team in the NFL. And the players are getting sick and tired of it. And the players who have been here multiple years are getting sick and tired of it. Van, R- Van Roten was a part of the Jets last year, 2-14. and 14. He bought in believing things would be different this year. He's the one who said it's a different vibe, different field, different energy, different culture, right? But your culture is 0-3. Win games. Win some goddamn football games. That's what people want to see. Win football games. Period. And the Jets are not doing that. And I don't want to hear about culture anymore. I, don't, at least I was about to go on another rant. But I'm so tired of hearing about culture and energy and locker room and players love each other. Who gives a crap? Love ain't winning football games. So I, if these guys hate each other, fine. As long as they start winning games. And it's like, it's getting ridiculous. Because not only are the Jets not winning, they're not even competing. And that's the bad thing. Because the whole thing, you just want to compete. You want to keep it close. You want to have it be a game in the fourth quarter. And the last two weeks, it hasn't been. And I don't think it's going to be the case in, in, in against Tennessee next week either. And you can tell, I think Greg Van Roten's comments after the game, I think were a reflection of that. The players are getting sick and tired of this. All right. Well, one 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 positive sign so far this season has been the defense, but not so much on Sunday. So we will get to what you saw from the defense coming up and we will briefly look ahead to the Titans after one more message from our sponsors. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Connor. So 
throughout the past two weeks, we have said, okay, the defense is a positive development. We were pretty impressed with how they've played so far, but allowing 26 points to Teddy Bridgewater, not exactly how you would have drew that one up. So what were your thoughts on the defensive performance against the Broncos? You know, I think you still get the high effort. You still get the high energy. I think that the defense this week, the, they made they made some, at least, I mean, it's such a small sample size, but they made some uncharacteristically silly mistakes. The face mask penalty by um, by Marcus May, the roughing the passer penalty by by Shaq Lawson. I mean, they, they the um, uh, was it Lawson as well, I believe, who lined up offsides. Um, there was an illegal hand to the face, which gave another first. I mean, there were a lot of penalties, a lot of silly ones. It was the pass interference by Eccles where he never turned the head around. Like those were mistakes that the Jets were not making the first two weeks. They right. were, and so, and that hurt them this week. So, I mean, we, we still saw the high effort. We still saw the energy. We still saw the team that was fighting until the last whistle on defense. I mean, there was the Foley Fatukasi made that play on third and goal. I think it was third and goal where he came through and, and, and had a tackle for loss to set up, a, uh, I believe it was the Broncos field goal, if I'm not mistaken, on one of their trips down to the goal line. Um, a team that's given up, a defense that's totally quit, a defense that's totally mailed it in. I mean, the Broncos come away with 14 points there. You know, Quincy Williams doesn't force the fumble. Foley doesn't make that play. That's easily 14 more points. Or, uh, yeah, basically 14 more points for for the Broncos had those two plays gone that way. Um, I think you just saw some uncharacteristic, silly mistakes. Now, what I would be slightly concerned about and what I'm, I'm, I want to see against the Titans is that this is a defense that, for the first two weeks, played a game that was or had a performance, I would say, that was good enough to win. It would have taken against the 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 uh, it was they they played well enough those first two games to give the Jets a victory. They played well enough against the Panthers where it, what was the they allowed 19 points, right? Was the score. Like they allowed 19 points. That's that's nothing in today's NFL. The Patriots I mean, what did they score? Yeah, 19. Yes, and, and in the Patriots game, I mean, the Patriots still didn't, weren't, weren't they, it wasn't until late that they were getting blown out. And that 25, was with, six. Yeah, 25-6. Yeah. And, and that was with four interceptions from Zach Wilson. So four free mm-hmm. possessions given to the- 16 points off of, off of yes, the interceptions. So, yeah, and, yeah. And, I mean, they lost by 19. So they, they, they lost, right. you know what I mean? So it, and easily, obviously, you talk about when you're getting that close, like it's like all over the place. So, I mean, those first two weeks, like the defense has done enough for the Jets to win. And what I would be slightly concerned about is that while the players will say no and the coaching staff will say no, are we getting to a point right now where the defense has had enough, where the defense is starting to get demoralized by what the offense is doing, that the defense is realizing we're busting our ass, we're giving 110%, we're putting forth efforts that's good enough to win, but there's no chance of us winning because our offense is doing nothing. And when that happens, the Jets are confident in their locker room. The Jets love their locker room, energy, culture, yada, yada, yada. But when that sometimes happens, you have one unit go this way and one unit go that way. And that's not good. And when you see some sloppy mistakes like a face mask from Marcus May, that's frustration. And the frustration from the defense isn't on the defense's performance. Because, again, like I said, it was a high-energy effort. They weren't great. They made sloppy mistakes. But it was still a high-energy effort that you could see if the offense gave them something Maybe the defense is still motivated to make another play and, and, and something along those lines. But I would be a little concerned that, that the defense is starting to have enough. That the Damian Harris touchdown run against the Patriots, where you could see this was a defense that just was very 
oh my God, here we go again. And that's when they missed the tackles and Harris got in. It was a 26 yards touchdown. Like it was just a, a, a morally depleted defense that led up a big run. I think I'd be worried that you're not going to have plays like that, that were trending towards having games like that, where the defense is just like, man, again, because they're just there. Because literally they are getting nothing from the offense. Because we, we, again, we keep we keep hammering home and, and belittling this point of six points per game. What that means is that all an opposing offense needs to do on average is score a touchdown and kick a PAT, and they beat the Jets. That's all you have to do to beat the Jets this season, based on averages after three weeks, is score a touchdown and kick the point after attempt, and you beat the Jets. Like imagine being that defense. You can't allow a touchdown. Or on average, your offense isn't going to score enough points for you to win. Like that's bad. That's bad. One thing I uh, forgot to mention earlier when we were discussing the offense was Elijah Moore left the game with a concussion. Um, how long do you think he could be sidelined, and what can you tell us about that? So it's a concussion. Yeah, it's the con- you saw it when it happened. I mean, you could tell he came up on another planet because he like he he was it was happened on the end of round and he got walloped and I think his head like slammed back. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, as soon as he got up, like. I was sitting in the press box next to DJ and I looked at him. I was like, I'm surprised he's, he's not hurt. I was like, he got hit pretty hard. It looked like he was walloped and you could tell when he got up, he was a little woozy. And then obviously he came immediately. The jets immediately took him off the field. They evaluate him for the head injury. And now it's just a matter of how long he's going to be out because you see the concussions that last weeks, you see the concussions that last a week. I mean, you just don't really know. So I would say that, um, I'm, I don't know when we'll see him next. And we're talking, I mean, we're recording this podcast right now at, at what, about 11 o'clock on Monday. Uh, I think we're talking to Sala at 2.30. So we're going to have more information from him to confirm, like, okay, he's in the concussion protocol. It's going to be this. It's a severe one. You don't know. But um, I don't, I would be, it's early, but I would be surprised if you see Elijah Moore against the, uh, if you see Elijah Moore against the um, the Titans. Now, I will make this comment about Elijah Moore pre-injury. He's looked an awful diff, awful lot different in these games, these first three weeks, when he's been going up against not Jets cornerbacks. You know, I mean, he's been, I'm not going to say disappointing, but like I said, he was a player that people within the Jets organization felt was a superstar, a player that was lightning in a bottle, the guy that was going to catch the five-yard slant and take it 80 yards to the house, you know, Odell Beckham-like in that regard. And... Aside from that one long grab he had against the had against the Patriots, where he was wide open. I mean, it was that one little like rub wheel route where he was just wide open. He didn't do anything against the the uh, Panthers, and he didn't do anything before getting injured against the Broncos. And there were a couple plays where he was open that that uh, Zach just didn't get it to him because Zach seems to have you know telegraphed eyes for Corey Davis, which needs to change. You want to talk about ways Zach can get better and, and the way that some of it's on Zach. He has laser focus on. Corey Davis more than he should. I mean, so there there are several times every game where he stares at Corey Davis and he is going to Corey Davis no matter what, whether he's covered or not, that ball is going to Corey Davis. That needs to change. That's where Zach needs to get better. He's a rookie. He's going to learn that, but that needs to change quick because teams are going to key in on it. Like he needs to stop just staring down Corey Davis. But I've been a little surprised that Elijah Moore hasn't made the impact that I expected him to have early in this season. I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to hit the ground running based off of what we saw in OTA's minicamp training camp and based off of what the Jets were saying about him internally, I thought he was going to hit the ground running and he's been 
he has not done that. Like he's been he's been a disappointment to this point, honestly. And that's before the injury. Now he's probably gonna miss a couple of weeks. All right. Well, this has been a pretty downer podcast, obviously, based off of uh, what what went down yesterday. But what was one positive that you think the Jets can build off? What's one thing you want to see this week that heading into the Titans, you're like, you know what? Okay, you talked about all the holes needing to be patched. What's one hole that they should really look to patch quickly and that can be done before the Titans game on Sunday? Well, like Salah says, everything that's wrong is is just is you know when when everything's going wrong and there's all these self-reflected issues, you know, I don't think that's easy to fix. But what I will say, the one area that if you can just clean this up, it should not fix a number of things, but at least help a number of things, is the discipline. Like you can't have what is what what was the final number? Was it eighty nine? Was their final number with penalty yards? Right? It was. I'm bringing it. Yeah. So they had eight penalties for eighty nine yards. That's undisciplined, sloppy, crappy football. Like when you have a field goal that goes in the uprights from 56 yards and you have a delay of game mm. that then backs you up, which the Jets should have tried it again. I mean, that like that, I mean, I, we, we, we played golf on Saturday. So I finally got a chance to experience like what the mile high air does to a ball. And I was mm-hmm. a golf ball. Football is the same damn thing. Matt Amadol, I've seen the kids like he can make it from 61. Like it was bullshit that they didn't attempt that kick. He can make it from 61, especially in Denver. He can make it there in Florham, or in Florham Park in East Rutherford. We've seen him do it. So he can absolutely kick it. But the Jets had 56 as their cutoff, backed it up five yards and, and said no. But if you can erase those sloppy penalties, if you can get it down to where you only have two or three, not eight for almost 100 yards, I think that will not fix a lot of things but it'll help a lot of things so the number one i think area they got to just focus on and hammer this week is the penalties they got to get the penalties down they can't they are not talented enough to overcome eight penalties for 89 yards they just don't have the talent to do that the chiefs chiefs can do that rams rams can do that the the chargers look like a team that might be able to do that the jets the jets cannot do that they can't all right connor any final thoughts before we get out of here and you uh, enjoy your final day in denver uh, I'm sorry to anyone who actually actively watched this team play. I feel for you. I sympathize for you. I'm sorry. I wish you received a better product. I wish you saw better football. I, I know that I want to say better days are coming, but I looked at the schedule, Marissa, and I don't, I mean, they got the Titans. I think I have no, I don't see them beating Tennessee at all. Then you got Atlanta. In London, that's probably the one game where you could say, like, okay, they can win that one. But they just I mean, beat the Giants. Exactly. Right? Like, the Giants looked at Atlanta to get right game two, and they just lost. I mean, they still have Matt Ryan, who's a very talented quarterback. Still have Calvin Ridley. They got Kyle Pitts. I mean, they got talent on that offense. Defense isn't very good. They got talent on offense. And you know, the Falcons are looking at the Jets saying, that's a get right game. Jets are, the Jets are averaging six points a game. The Falcons are like, man, maybe that can get our defense going. So right. then they have the bye. Then it's at the Patriots versus much improved Bengals. Maybe maybe that early buy is is going to be yeah because they can't lose yeah they can't lose on a game they don't play. But then it's at the Colts who who Carson Wentz should be healthy there, and I know the Colts haven't won a game yet, but they've played teams very close. Like they're Mm -hmm. losing close games and they're playing top tier competition. Then it's the Bills who, if you watched any bit in Buffalo and if you watched any bit of that game against Washington, Josh Allen is back. Mm-hmm. Then you got the Dolphins, and Tua is probably going to be there for that one. And even if Tua hey, is not, Jacoby's playing. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, and, and and I mean he's not any good, but it's, hey, it's like he was good yesterday. He then took that Houston game to overtime. Yeah, yeah, he had his moments, and then you have Houston in Week Twelve, but they compete and they're they're playing tougher. That Tyrod should be back by then, and they're they're playing tough and competitive. And then it's at the e- or versus the Eagles versus. The, I mean, it's 
It's murderer's row. I mean, I, going over this, I think we talked about it last. Like the only like games where I'm like, okay, I think the Jets can win that one. Atlanta, Houston, Jacksonville, three. So you're looking at what? It's three and fourteen. I mean, it's just ah, God. This just I'm like I said, I. It's three weeks. Things can change. Things can turn around. I've said that several times today, but I at least thought the Jets were going to keep games close. I thought they were at least going to have an offense that's exciting. And instead, they have an offense that might be one of the worst I've ever seen. And I watched Luke Falk start a game. I watched Bryce Petty start a game. It's it's bad. Bryce right. Petty start games. I saw him start multiple games, which is <laughs> wild. All right. Well, we thank you all for listening to us. And we hope that even if things are rough on the field with the Jets, that we will entertain you and please keep coming back and listening. We'll, we promise to bring a little uh, positivity into your day, even though uh, it's not always, not always on the field. Um, have a great rest of the week, everybody. We will be back later in the week to preview that matchup with the Titans. If you have not yet gone to theathletic.com slash can't wait, you can get 50% off a subscription. We appreciate you all listening. Have a good week and we'll see you later.